Hello and welcome to another episode of The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer at Damasimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, I get to talk to somebody who's not in advertising anymore so much, but um, definitely came up through it and got a lot out of it and is now uh, running his own company. He's the co-founder of Working Not Working. Dot com, which is a, a website where creative professionals can go to find jobs and, and people who hire those creative professionals can uh, find them as well. Um, and I'm a member of that site and I've known Justin for probably 10 years, something like that, seven years. Um, he is the kind of guy who uh, can seemingly can just do anything. So uh, he'll, he'll talk a lot about it, but uh, he's the guy who came up with Elf Yourself, which is one of my favorite ideas come up with by an ad agency. Now he uh, has his own website that I think uh, everyone would could get a lot out of. Um, and we talk about all of that and coming up through the business and then moving beyond that and sort of growing out of that and, and what he's doing now. So I, I think this is a really interesting episode for the little nuggets in there, but also just to see like that there is a there's another level uh, to this if, if you want to get there. And, you know, learning how to do advertising is sort of the first step to that. So it's a great episode. But first, the A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising Age called Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy, an ad class is only as relevant as a professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz in the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow AdHouseNYC on Facebook. Justin Genak, everybody, from Working Not Working. Hello. Hi. Hi, Tom Christmas. It's been a while. We yeah. had coffee recently. That yeah, was nice. That was nice. I good like to catch that. up. Let's do that again. I have no friends, so <laughs> be good. Uh, but we met uh, at JWT. You were freelancing, I think. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that the where we Yeah, met? that was a long time ago. Maybe um, 2008? Yeah. Nine we, around there? We did that uh, Stride Mystery flavor stuff mm-hmm. and that I can't stop showing people, and they always go, that's just weird. It's the dumbest stuff I've ever done. Yeah. And I've done a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah. But it made me laugh a lot. So I feel honored. That it's the dumbest stuff you yeah. ever did. Like, I feel like that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a really good thing. It was fun. Um, but where we like to start here, I mean, this is like, I know you've you've evolved. You're, you're a butterfly now and the rest <laughs> of us are caterpillars. But um, this is about how you got into advertising, which I think. I remember that. Is, yeah. a, is, a, is a leap to what happens later. Yeah. Which we can definitely talk about and yeah. do a lot of talking about. But ha- where did you grow up? What, what, what was it like being young Justin G? <laughs> so I grew up in southeastern Connecticut uh, near Mohegan Sun Casino, like five minutes from there. Uh, I always disclaimer, I'm very insecure about being from Connecticut because there's a stereotype of Connecticut people. But I'm from the east side of the river where there's farms Mm-hmm. and casinos and poor people. Um, so I always assumed you were from Boston because you're such an asshole. <laughs> well, I am a Boston fan, so yeah, and I'm pretty pumped tonight. Yeah. The World Series, I'm totally dating this podcast now, but yeah. tonight's the World Series. Tonight so I'm pretty is the, world, the game one of the game World one. Series? Yeah, game one wow. of the World Series. And it's Boston against who? I don't watch the, uh, the, do- the sports the Dodgers. that aren't soccer. The Dodgers, it's a classic. The Dodgers classic against, the, yeah, that's yeah. like Brooklyn versus Boston. Yeah. Let's just say that. We'll just say that. It makes, it makes just, it sound cooler, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I grew up on the poor, scrappier side of Connecticut. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, 
I was always a little bit of a weirdo. My dad was an actual clown and my mom was class clown. I um, remember you telling me this and uh -huh. thinking, wow, that's in, in the future when there's podcasts, I would love to have <laughs> Justin on so I can ask him again, your father was a clown? Yeah, my dad was Bixbo the clown. Did you? When did you realize that your dad was Bixbo the clown? Were you like a little kid and you thought Bixbo was a different person? Like I thought Miley Cyrus oh, and that's... Hannah Montana were two different people for a long time. <laughs> um, I think there probably was a moment early on when I th thought it was a different person. But then I used to watch him put his makeup on. Um, wow. Yeah. Which is like, you know, an interesting transformation, putting the the white makeup on and then powdering it so it yeah. doesn't smear and then putting the red and the black on and then powdering that so it doesn't smear. And then he'd have like a red wig that flipped up when he like laughed and stuff. Yeah, yeah it was ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. So That's that, amazing. So the thing that most traumatized many other kids and now adults um, I grew up with and was totally comfortable with. So Yeah. Yeah. So we, you're not afraid of clowns? No, I'm not afraid of clowns. Uh, they are terribly creepy and sometimes yeah immensely sad yeah. uh but yeah <laughs> now was yeah. your dad uh always wanted to be a clown was he a, a, a comedic he was a performer he was a magician from like when he was nine years old really yeah so i uh so i grew up watching him on stage yeah and so going to shows and and for he did the clown till i was probably maybe seven eight or nine and then he he said he put bixbo in a coma um, so if he ever we're sending to, Bixbo to a yeah. to a, a pasture, yeah, where yeah, he'll be able to run with other clowns. Yeah, he just needs to go and have fun and flip his hair and ride on elephants or whatever the hell he does. <laughs> perpetually get out of the car. Yeah, I remember yeah. when my mom told me uh, that my clown <laughs> was gone. Yeah, so and then he just did magic, uh, and he always had another job doing engineering at radio stations, and then uh, motivational speaking, and uh, so yeah. So kinda, he was kind of like you. In that he was like a jack of all trades, wanted to had his irons in a lot of fires, and yeah. was what was he trying to do? Do you think? Well, he always what had was he, he always why was he doing part, all that? For the most part, he always had the steady day job of being an engineer at local radio stations, keeping them on air, and then he would do the magic and the clown stuff on the weekends. Yeah, um, and I, I think he always liked performing, and he had maybe an insatiable need for the validation of others through applause. Right, um, which I've joked that is now my affliction as well. Yeah, um, and so. There's no applause here. We don't have, Shit. we have an audience. All right. Well, yeah, they're in the booth. They're not even paying attention. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, no, I saw that. And then I also saw the, uh, the ability to be able to do whatever the hell you want and do what brings you joy and do what is, you know, you see brings other people joy and, and fulfills you. And he, you know, the day job fulfilled him too. But yeah. uh, and then eventually he moved on from doing the magic and stuff and had many different jobs and taught at a uh, technical high school for a while um, because he didn't want to be he was commuting to Hartford which was like yeah. 45 minutes every day it's too far from us kids yeah um, so he uh, took a job a little bit closer and and put made us a priority and then so I got to see all that though. your website uh, has a quote from your dad uh, on the top of your about page yep. uh, can you do you remember it yeah it's a, it's a quote it. that I always thought was his and then I found out later on that he just plagiarized it from Zig, Zig Ziglar <sighs> Uh, but it's uh, help enough other people get what they want, and you'll always get what you want. Help enough people help, help enough other people enough get what other people get what they want, and you'll always get what you want. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice. I feel like you do that too. Thanks. I I, I try to, and it's it's become an ethos of mine and an ethos of working not working now. Working not working. First uh, first mention of working not working. Yeah. What was Dr. the over under on that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not in on. Yeah. It. Okay. Good. Uh, um. So your so your your 
your dad's a clown yeah. until that time. And when did you know that you wanted to be? Did you know you wanted to be in advertising, or was weirdly there a, I did? You did in high school, or in, when in in junior or no elementary school? Elementary school. So my parents divorced uh, when I was seven. My mom married my stepdad, um, and my my mom had various jobs and mainly raised us kids. And mm-hmm. my stepdad had very you know blue collar jobs. He was working construction, uh, poured concrete, did garage doors. Was a, was a garbage man at one point. Yeah, um, very so, different person than your dad. Yeah. So yeah. like. But, both very different, which is a nice, it's given me a nice balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember sitting in the parking lot of the local grocery store waiting for my mom to come out. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was talking to George about it. And he was like, well, you like those ads. Uh, and he's, I was like, oh, yeah, I do. I used to record the Clio Awards on TV when I was a kid. Wow. And, and on a VHS tape. Yeah. I would record them and then rewatch the commercials. Wow. And so I was 11 years old, 10 years old doing that. And yeah. so and so we were having this conversation. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. And he's like, yeah, and you're artistic, so maybe you should do advertising. And I didn't even know that was a thing people could do. Yeah. I thought they just showed up on my TV screen. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to be in advertising. And so 11 and years old. 11. Yeah, laser focused on that. Right. And that, that's, you know, as your your kid, like, you go through a lot of different jobs you want. Like, I wanted to be a priest when I was going to Catholic school. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool career opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and then I wanted to be a, a chef at one point. There's, like, all sorts of different things. But that was the one that finally was like, oh, oh yeah, I think I could do that. Right. Um, and then in high school, I knew I wanted to do that. And then, You still, you still, because a lot of times those first, like, oh, I want to be. Uh, yeah, an astronaut. Yeah. Uh, they go away, but you still had that. I still had that, yeah. Because there were ads everywhere. What were your What were your favorite ads when you were uh, twelve? I don't even remember. I feel like it was like, you know, all, for every toy, yeah. you know, like yeah. every game, all yeah. of that stuff, um, all the video games, yeah, the Kool Aid Man, all that shit. Yeah. So you're in high school and you know you want to do ads. Are you now looking at schools to do that? Well, uh, I eventually did, uh, but there was one instance that kind of solidified it for me. Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, we did a class trip to the Museum of Modern Art in New York, which is like three hour drive away, three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And there was a Jasper Johns um, exhibition at MoMA. And I walked in there and I was like, yeah, I think I was 16 at the time and saw one of his paintings uh, called False Start. And it blew my mind. And it was his painting where he painted the word red, but in green and then blue and yellow and the word black yeah. and orange. And so you would see the color, but you'd read the color and yeah. it just kind of fucked with my head. Yeah. And to me as a, you know, kind of an obnoxious 16 year old, it came across as him being a smart ass. Yeah. And I, I just had this moment where some synapse clicked and I was like, wait, he can get respect and be in MoMA yeah. for being a smart ass. Yeah. That means I could probably be a, a smart ass too. Yeah. And it gave me permission yeah. to start questioning everything and, and, and looking at things in different ways and fucking with things. And what were the, what were the first things so that like, you started to so do? So it was that, like in like, school, I would just start, uh, I would be very, I would question everything that was told to me and yeah. every rule and became very literal with the rules that people gave me. Like I had a painting class where they said, paint uh, five heads and 10 feet. And so they wanted us to do like a portrait of heads and then paint feet. Yeah, uh, I painted the heads of five coins and then f- 10 rulers around the border, like perfect rulers. <laughs> and I put it off the wall and the teacher's going through and everyone's like beautiful portraiture and, and, and paintings of, hand, of feet. And she gets it. She's like, who did Justin? 
And it was just like, you know, it was that, it was yeah. that. It was like, how can I, and she, I was like, you said paint five heads and 10 feet. Yeah. And so it was just, you know, how do I look at whatever I'm being told in a different way? Yeah. And try to get away with shit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's the whole Andy you, Warhol quote, or is what you can get away with. And yeah. that totally like resonated with me. Yeah. Um, and so, and that, to- that also reframed my thinking perfectly for advertising. Yeah. Um, you know, I had that, I had a math class. My teacher hated me. I refused to get one of those TI-82 or 83 calculators that were $150, $200 because yeah. my parents should have to pay for it. And I could do all the math without it. Um, but then after like many parent teacher conferences about the fact that I refused to do it, yet still got hundreds on the on the thing, uh, I finally got one and then I just started screaming in class the first day I had it. And I, I was like, uh, Mrs. Danilo, it's it's possessed because you could write on it. Yeah. And so I had this whole thing of how my it was like talking to me and telling me it was possessed. Yeah. And I started this whole ruckus. I'm like, you want me to get this thing? This thing could do this. I'm going to go and make a big deal out of it. Yeah. So I was just like an asshole. Yeah. Really. Yeah. No, like I said. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just like I was the worst student, but I was also testing boundaries, testing what I could get away with. Yeah. Um, and I think once I got um, junior high school, I started looking at uh, colleges and I went to BU looking for advertising and I went and visited because I love Boston sports. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I always picture myself in Boston. Yeah. And I went and did the tour. I was like, this place is great. Of course, I had no idea how stupidly expensive it was and how I could not afford it. Yeah. And then I, I like bought the sweatshirt and I took the ta- ripped the tag off sixty dollars sweatshirt. <laughs> and we get into the finally the part where you talk to the advertising program people, and they're giving their whole presentation. And I'm like, so do you guys have the creative part of advertising or just the business side? And they're like, oh yeah. no, we just have the business side. It's like, god damn it, I ripped the tag off already. I'm like, can't come here now. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> So I was like, shit, I got to find somewhere else. And like my parents, it was just like so totally amazing. dejected. Like we did the college visit. He was, was like, like, I'm going to Boston. Yeah. I'm not going to Boston. Let's yeah. check out New York. And yeah. then luckily a kid that was a graduated year, year ahead of me went to School of Visual Arts in New York. And so I looked that up. Yeah. Uh, and they would come to my uh, high school to recruit art students. Uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, that place seems good. And they, and they have advertising. Great. Going there. Yeah. Uh, and then I got approved and was like, game on, let's do it. How, uh, so what was it like moving to the city and, and living at SDA? Oh, I made sure it was somewhat dramatic. Um, I, like my parents dropped me off of like my little brothers and sisters. So I have between the two households, I have seven younger brothers and sisters. Wow. Um, so it was like my mom, my stepdad, my three brothers and my sister came and dropped me off and helped me move everything in. And then they left after a couple hours. And I went back up to my room and I put on Billy Joel's uh, New York State of Mind and my six, six disc six disc changer. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, here, I made it. Let me put some <laughs> Billy on." Yeah, I was sitting in my six foot by eight foot dorm room and just listened to Billy Joel. And That's then, awesome. And then that night, I went and walked to Times Square because I didn't know where else to go. Yeah, and I just walked around time to time. Uh, walked around Times Square at like two in the morning. Uh, and I did that two nights in a row because I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody. Yeah, there. that's where everything is. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah, I'm in here in New York. Yeah, and I just got like you know basked in the uh, in the LED screens. Yeah, and, and neon it, lights. Yeah, and it was uh, it, it was good. And I had a couple of days to myself, and then finally made some friends and did other things than hung out in Times Square. Yeah, uh, you're one of the few people that knew they wanted to be in advertising, like mm-hmm. and pursued it and it's interesting that you've 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 gotten sort of past it at this point and you're like not doing that anymore um what did you love about it what did you learn yeah along the way um and how'd you get your first i guess yeah yeah let's get into that so i went to sva did that for four years was in the advertising program there there which was 
maybe didn't have the same reputation as it does now. It's like it seems like it's pretty award winning now. They've done a um, really good job, and at the time it was it was still very credible. But uh, we were com- you know comparing ourselves to like the kids in all the portfolio schools. Yeah, and so and they were and they were partners, and they had account people and strategists and all that. And uh, at SVA, most of us worked solo. And so I was doing writing and art direction, mm-hmm. uh, which now in hindsight, I'm really thankful for. Yeah. Uh, and so I always had a chip on my shoulder because of that. And yeah. it's like, oh, these kids, you know, they have all these advantages. And also at the same time, I, I realized I was like, you know, there's no reason why I can't be good at this. I'm like, yeah. anybody who's been in this industry, uh, as a kid, I'm thinking, you know, as a you know 20 year old, I'm like, they probably didn't have a supportive of family and friends as I had to do this. Right. Uh, probably didn't have, you know, uh, as many opportunities. And I felt really fortunate. I was like, oh, I feel like I could be pretty good at this. Yeah. There's no reason why I can't, right? Right. I have, so um, I was like, yeah, let me let me do this. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I put a lot into it. And I worked my ass off. And I ended up getting a job. It was J- June of 2002. So there wasn't a lot of people getting hired after September 11th. Right. And everything was weird. And, yeah. um, and I was really fortunate that um, I had a, w- a woman in my class whose dad worked at Ogilvy. So she knew the recruiter there and like tossed my book um, their way. Yeah. And, and that's where Bill Oberlander saw my book. Um, and he told me that the only reason he hired me is because I had uh, a project in there where I packaged and sold New York City garbage. Yes. And and he's like, yeah, he's like, all oh, that stuff, fine. But he's like, you sold garbage. Yeah. And you actually did it and you got a bunch of press. And so, so that was at Kirschenbaum. Uh, no, that was at Ogilvy. Bill, oh, no, Bill was at Ogilvy. He was right, at Ogilvy right, at the time. Right, right, right. Uh, and so that was luckily I had that one project that really helped me stand out. Like my yeah. ads were solid too, but it was like apple to, apples to apples with another book like that. That definitely gave me a leg up. I talk about that all the time when I talk to kids about you know in high school and or, or just getting out of college about like advertising and it's about making things. And I always show them your oh, your garbage site because it's like if you can make your own thing that teaches you so much yeah how did you how did you do that how did you get that done <laughs> did you do that and you did that in school yeah in school okay it was like uh the summer after my sophomore year of college uh i had a summer internship at mtv in their mm-hmm. on-air graphics department oh wow uh my instructors worked there and so they invited me to be an intern and i was a terrible intern who uh, were your instructors uh jen roddy and tracy boychuk okay uh, they were great they were d- my design teachers mm-hmm. um and so i went work there and uh i just went around and talked to everybody enthusiastically right i, I wasn't very good at getting any work actually done right uh, but yeah, i was like just trying to meet as many people as i could and it was just but like, that's what it's about right yeah. like is that well not that when they're your... trying not for them when they're actually trying to get work done like hey guys what's up hey how you doing yeah. what's going on yeah um uh, i was very enthusiastic uh, but you were also very uh you didn't take no for an answer right you just kept yeah. coming where mm-hmm. I, I had the same instinct at yeah. Deutsch yeah. At, when I was interning. And I would go into their offices and be like, hey, guys, what are you doing? And they'd be like, get the fuck out. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> never come back. Yeah, you actually I went pr- back. I probably got to learn something from that. Yeah. I, I found out, like, uh, some of my friends in my first job, uh, I was like, uh, Adam told me, he's like, yeah, Tommy used to hate you. And I'm like, why? He's like, because you used to go in their office every day and had nothing to do. Right. And I was like, well, they didn't, I didn't have anything to do. And it was my first job. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So I just went around talking to people. Yeah. Um, but you probably learned a lot. I learned a, I learned a lot. Uh, but someone said that Packers' design didn't matter. And I thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking if I could package something that nobody would ever want to buy, I could pr- prove my package design was successful. Right. And so I was just staring down at Times Square, realized, oh, garbage. 
nobody wants garbage. Uh, wow. They throw it away. And maybe if I can package it nicely, someone would want to buy it. So you gave yourself that assignment. Yeah. That was just like a, a thing that you – was that something was that curiosity. you did? Was that something that you had done previous to that yeah. and failed at? Or was that just something you were like, I could make that? Well, yeah. how, did you, how did you know you could? Well, I don't know if I knew I could. I just I had the idea. And then I sat on the idea for about maybe six months, almost a year. Right. Um, so it was just one of those ideas just kept percolating right. and kept popping up. And I was like, I should probably try Were to do that. Were you talking to people about it? Were you like, oh, I was I talking to uh, I don't even maybe. Rem- I don't even remember. Maybe a little bit. Um, but it was like just something that kept kept coming up. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to make it. And so I went down to Canal Plastics, yeah, um, which is a plastic store here in New York. And I bought these little plexiglass boxes that are like four and a half inches tall. Yeah. And I bought maybe 10 of them to start. Yeah. A couple bucks each. And then I went around and picked up garbage and I only picked up gar- dry garbage because I had a really strong gag reflex and I thought people wouldn't want anything wet or messy inside of it. Yeah. yeah it's a dumb thing for me. For no, like you had quality control yeah. yeah, exactly. Based on my own uh, willingness or unwillingness to th- gag and throw up. Yeah. Um, and so I went and picked up a bunch of garbage. I brought it back to my dorm room. I put it in the cubes and at the time Beanie Babies were really popular so yeah. which I thought was stupid because yeah. they were a limited edition and collectible just because people yeah. said they were so I was like well what can I learn from that and so I, I was like oh let me number all of these right. and say that they're you know say that they're special so I put mm-hmm. a, a label on the front actually at the time I was just stenciling New York City garbage on it and right. then I put it with date. spray paint you just yeah, like, in my dorm with spray paint a stencil yeah. I made out of cardboard it was yeah. really janky to, yeah. and a lot of fumes and uh then I put like a little label with the date the garbage was picked to yep. make it more collectible. Yeah, and then I signed and numbered each one. Where is that first one? It's in, it's on my desk. Oh, okay, yeah, so I you still have, have the it. very yeah. first one. Yeah, um, uh, it, but but the thing is, at the time, I didn't I didn't know how to price anything, so I was just yeah. like, oh, um, ten dollars. And so I went out to Times Square with a little cardboard box. I spray painted in silver spray paint "garbage for sale." I had a little seat that I like a little camping stool that I sat on. Oh, so you did it. By hand at first. Yeah, and I went out and just tried to hawk them. Um, yeah. And did you get picked up by the cops or something? And, well, eventually, a couple of weeks later, I did. But uh, the first time, I was just out in Times Square and begging, almost begging people to buy them. I was like, you know, but I was out there, I was just like, you know, yelling, wherever you're from, your garbage sucks compared to ours. <laughs> That's I, amazing. I touch it so you don't have to. That's uh, awesome. And initially, I was trying to sell them for $10. Nobody was biting. So then I tried to sell them for $5. Nobody was biting. And yeah. then I sat outside a TRL with like the line of people waiting. I was like, all right, $5 and I'll do a bad portrait of you. Nobody would buy any of them. And right. so I was out there for like maybe six, eight hours. Yeah. Finally, it was like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And, uh, there was an older gentleman from Ecuador came by. Yeah. Didn't really speak any English. Right. And he somehow got it and connected with it and paid me five bucks for it. And you said nothing to him because he spoke Spanish. And I was trying to. Spanish. And then we, you know, but he saw it and he asked how much. But and, like yeah. the idea, that's the one guy who you let the idea just speak for itself uh-huh. and didn't, uh, didn't yeah. try to give him so much copy. Yeah. I think you were I, being a terrible client. Yeah. Is what was, you were being. Yeah. Uh, it was too hard of a sell. Yeah. Uh, and so it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. So I sold that first one and I was like, holy shit, I just sold garbage. And that proved the point, right? Yeah. So like part of the art or the main part of the art is the transaction of someone actually paying me for it. Yeah. And so the next day I went out with this newfound confidence and sold maybe five or six more. And then I built a website with the worst, you know, it was like there was a thing called Image Ready that Photoshop, uh-huh. it was a Photoshop, you know, kind of spin off program. Yeah. 
it wasn't I, I made the jankiest website mm-hmm. had way too many rollover states and, it, and right. you know didn't know what I was doing but it was the only thing I knew how to do yeah so I made a janky website I put it up maybe a week or two later and uh, I love the story thanks and then I, I sold them for nine ninety nine because I was like what you price things as yeah. Uh, and I ended up getting an article, and I sent one to Time Out New York, and I got a full-page article in there. Wow. And then NBC News came to my uh, apart, my dorm room. How did you do this PR? CBS. Like, what, it was just— I, I just mailed a cube to their office with a To everybody's offices? Note, to maybe half a dozen, just like the major magazines and newspapers. Right. And then, How did you know to do that? I, um, I don't know. I was just like— they might think it's cool. Yeah. It was just a, taking a shot. Right. And uh, I ended up getting picked up really pretty quickly. Like that article came out and actually, you know, a couple of months later, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, ABC or CBS News, NBC News came to my dorm yeah. room. And then that led to blog posts. And so that, you're, you're I, still at SVA. Still at, this at SVA. Point. It's my junior year. And you, this is what got you your first job. Yeah. And, and I think I also very quickly realized the power of the internet. And this yeah. is. 2002 right you know i'm like in the good old days of the internet yeah uh, but it was that and yeah, it was and all of a sudden i would get an uh, idea picked up and it was like the metro newspaper in new york and then they would go and reprint it in the london edition and yeah. suddenly i'd be getting hit up written about in blogs in london in the uk and ireland and then i'd get calls from radio stations there yeah or emails from radio stations and then i'd start doing interviews radio station interviews with a bunch of people in europe and then it would go and you'd see someone in germany would hear about it and right i do a bunch of german press and it, it was like the spiderweb effect of right. how it took off yeah and like and how it went viral kind of almost region by region yeah and that happened in korea and it happened in japan and right. it just like went all over and so i could see a kid that has that kind of success mm-hmm. at, especially at that time going like i don't need advertising i'm gonna be an artist at this point or i'm gonna <laughs> be a did you why did you still because I, I, I really I really wanted to do it, and it's you know something that was stuck in my head for a long time. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I got that job at Ogilvy. Um, I was there for about I was at the time they had a thing called the Young Guns. Yeah, and so it was, they brought, brought in three junior teams, and they put you in the middle of the office with a lot of brightly colored furniture, <laughs> and gave you like all the new laptops and the best assignments. So it was really yeah. a great way to get all of your new coworkers to hate you. Yes, uh, and they'd walk by and it's like fuck those guys. No, the uh, young Guns are yeah. here. Yeah, the yeah. Young Guns. Oh, cool. They're working on the Super Bowl briefs. You know. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. I yeah. have to do this coupon over here. You yeah, mother. it was basically that. Uh, uh, do you yeah. remember who was in that with you? Uh, yeah, it was Adam Tompkins, who's now my co-founder yes. of Work Not Working. That's that's crazy. I uh, never knew that. My partner was John Graham, who's over at Be Real New York now. Uh, Adam's partner was Alex San, uh, who's at Crispin in L.A. And then Josh Rosen, who's at Google Creative Lab, and Mark Schwartz, who's pro freelancer. Wow. So it was the six of us. And it's amazing how like I'm still you know friends yeah. with all of them now. Those are all really good people. Yeah, yeah. it was it was pre- it was pretty amazing. It was an yeah. amazing time. It's like you know, I hate I'm, you too now. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Yeah, uh, but I Fuck feel like everybody guys. has those those stories of like the people that you were in the trenches with initially and like going through that stuff together and pulling yeah. those all nighters and you know really solidifies those bonds. Yeah, um, and so I did that for a year and a half. Like our first. Did you guys you guys bonded as a team? Like that's like a you're like the or or but it has the potential. To become like a, I'm better than you. Oh, we're super the, competitive. Oh, we're the young guns, but I'm the top gun. And well, we, yeah, but I, none of us are really assholes. I think we all have. Matt, let's put highway to the danger zone under this part. <laughs> uh, but there was, uh, 
yeah, we were, we were all super competitive with each other. Yeah. Um, but we're all good people. So I think that that goes a long way. Yeah. What does that mean? How do you, how do you be super competitive, but not be an asshole uh, or were you an asshole at first? I don't, I don't think I was an asshole. Okay. No, I don't think. How, how do you like, stay competitive, but you're still rooting for each other? Or well, when someone else's idea goes through, you, you get psyched for them. Yeah. And you, and you help them out and you go and support each other. Right. And you're there those late nights and you, you go and like celebrate their wins. Yeah. And it's not about you. Yeah. I think there's also a certain level of like healthy ego, but then also a, enough of an ego to know that, oh God, I'll, I'll come up with something else. <laughs> you know, like even though I, have my, I didn't win that project or right. my thing didn't get produced, you know, something else will come along. Right. As opposed to like just getting bitter that they, they, they got it and you didn't get it. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that, that definitely helped. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really mature way of thinking about it. Is that is that something I think it's that con- you... I think it's confidence, you know, having confidence in myself. Right. Yeah. Because when you're not confident, that's when you sort of lash out and you sort of yeah. try f- dirty tricks to win. Yeah, exactly. Like it's... some people in politics these days. Yeah, or advertising. Or advertising. <laughs> yeah. Um so what was your so you're at Ogilvy, what was your next job? How did you, why did you leave? Well, Ogilvy so Ogilvy, I got really lucky and or fortunate um, that we produced a couple spots for IBM. Uh, we ended up doing oh the boy right yeah the, the Linux kid yeah well and, and the, the way that came about was actually I'm really proud of that we Adam uh, or John and I got a brief to do Linux business to business ads for uh, Linux magazine right. And so it was like three print ads, Linux, Linux magazine. Yeah, uh, which IBM is basically town. a brand, like a yeah, like nobody's a, reading that. Yeah, just, just like a couple of engineers yeah. might be looking through it on and the toilet it. somewhere. Exactly. And so they were like three print ads for Linux Monthly or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or Linux World. And we went in and presented to our creative directors, Andy Burnt and John McNeil. And it was... We printed the, you know, a bunch of print ads. On the way out, we're like, we also have an idea for a commercial. And they're like, what? No, okay, let's hear it. Yeah. And so I, we pitched them their idea of the commercial, uh, but it wasn't at all what Linux turned into. Yeah. But it was actually the idea of what exists now is just like ride-sharing cars where it was like a people going and being able to like drop off a car, get out, and someone else gets in the car and starts driving it. Right. Which is like kind of exists yeah. now. It's a good, right. good business, car to go and all that. Uh, but it was something along those lines. And they were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. show what could be in the future oh, yeah, or, thanks to Linux. Or it was about like uh, collaboration and people like all getting benefit, oh, right. benefiting from it. And, right. Because it was open source. So right. it was like that idea. Got it. And then we kind of sat in their office for a half hour and just threw ideas around. And that evolved into the idea of uh, a little kid sitting in a room being taught by all these different people and, and yeah. professors. So we went and wrote that script. And they said, all right, go write up the script. And we brought it back to them, made a couple tweaks. And they said, all right, we don't need this right now. Right. Got to finish those print ads. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they're like. Uh, By the way, they still suck, those yeah, print those ads. Print so ads suck. Go, go, go uh, fix go. them. But they said, uh, this is a great. This is a great spot. Put this in your drawer. And at yeah. some point, IBM is going to need something. And we're going to need to come to them, something that's going to make a splash. Yeah. And just have it ready. And so like six months later, they came to us like, hey, remember that script? Yeah. Uh, we told Chris Wall about it. And uh, he wants to hear it. And so we went to his office. We read yeah. him the script, and he was like, "Yeah, that's pretty good. Change this and this." Brought it back to him. He's and, a tough audience, and he was a tough audience. Yeah, a really tough audience. Like really intimidating Passed guy. Away but last year, yeah. I believe. Yeah, but like a really brilliant guy. Really, and such a sweetheart, actually. And uh, he, yeah, he presented to the client like two days later, and then they bought it. Wow. So our first spot was a million and a half dollar budget 
Did you get to go with, shoot Joe, it? Yeah, Joe Pitka in L.A. Oh, my God. On set with uh, Penny Marshall, uh, Henry Louis Gates, John Wooden, and Muhammad Ali. Oh, right, because they were all there. Yeah, they were all in there and teaching you, the kids. you kid. couldn't really do that in CGI those days. No. You had no. to have them in the— Yeah, real actors today you real would, people. Today you would literally just— take footage of them and put it there <laughs> it's crazy um but that wasn't like that was incredible like i had no idea what we were doing and yeah. then we, we ended up doing another another version another round of that campaign and then uh for a super bowl spot with Muhammad wow Ali. and so we got pretty fortunate on that first but that came out of having the, the at a place like ogilvy where it's really hard, it's to, hard to get good for a junior it. to yeah to do good work and and to actually go on it and do it and, yeah um, but I, but I, I and, and that's probably one of my most proud moments in in the industry because we took something that was a kind of a shitty brief, yeah, and just made it an opportunity. Yes, um, and I think that's you know a lesson that I've taken with me throughout my career. No yeah. matter what I'm doing, it's like yeah, anything could be great. Right, you got to make it. You got to make it. What it is, and don't like wallow in like I'm in a shitty. I'm getting shitty briefs. It's like no, then make it something that's incredible. You got to do the shitty brief, but also mm -hmm. yes and. Over deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did you teach yourself that? Was that just because you were hanging with the young guns or yeah. were, was that just a thing you had? Because we, we were hungry and yeah, we were like, okay. Like, and, and when ideas yeah. pop up, ideas pop up. And so you're like, right. hey, we should, let's write it up at least and give it a shot. Yeah. And having that, that bunch of people to sort of bounce off of and yeah. sort of try to one up in, in, yeah. in well, regular keeps conversation you as well. Yeah. And it keeps you, it keeps you motivated and keeps you going. And, yeah. Um, and Have so, a tribe. Yeah, having 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 a support system is really crucial, no matter what you're doing and at what point of your career. Yeah, um, which I've learned along the way. Yeah, um, I want to talk about Elf yourself because like, okay. that was one of the things when I heard about you uh -huh. and you were going to come work uh, at uh, JWT on a few things. You were freelance at the time. Uh -huh. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, we got Elf Yourself guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which so, strangely is in about 300 people's books right now. So, yeah. Yeah. But but you're – I feel like you, you're yeah. you're one of the yeah. you're one of the originators. Uh huh. Um, what? How did that come about? So my and what is Elf Yourself yeah, for after, maybe the younger crowd who doesn't know about oh these God. early internet sensations? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so I, J you know, jib jab kids. Oh my God, jib jab. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, my my second job after a year and a half, I went to Fallon, New York. Worked there for about a year and a half, and we were like the third most award-winning agency in the country. We were only a creative department of eight people. Wow, um, Ari Merkin, yeah, was Ari there Merkin at the was, time? Yeah, yeah, was the ECD, and Wayne Best was there. Yeah, um, and it was just a thirty-five-person agency. It was super small, wow. and it was incredible. And then yeah. um, Ari and Ann left to start their own agency. Fallon, Pat Fallon decided to close Fallon, New York, um, and I was um, Ari and Ann's first creative hire at Toy. Ah. Uh, and so I was there. We were like four people, five people sitting around a, a table. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Ari Merkin is another guy who like makes shit happen. Like, yeah. He just he's very much about like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. He's a brilliant guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was we had a lot of fun. And, and that was I was we should have him on the show. You sure? Yeah, for Write sure. Write that down, somebody. <laughs> uh, and so he he was great. And we got a brief from Office Max. Um, to get people to want to shop for holiday gifts at Office Max, yeah, which is an oh, I don't even know if it's around anymore. I think they got acquired by Office Depot, but yeah, probably. Uh, it was an office supply store like Staples. Yeah, it, why would anybody go holiday shopping there? Yeah, and so we had very small budget. I think it was less than maybe like 
$300,000. Right. And we were like, that's not really enough to do a spot that's going to get a lot of impact. Right. And so through talking about it, we came to the idea of doing, giving gifts to the internet. And, and so doing uh, a bunch of holiday-themed websites. Mm. And we ended up doing 20 holiday-themed websites. And then um, when you go to one, there was a little Office Max tab at the bottom. And you click on that, and it showed you all the other ones you could go to. Yeah. And so it was just kind of a gift for board office workers right. during the holidays. Like an advent calendar of yeah. of, uh, of websites. Yeah. And there was and some of them were ridiculous. Some of them were games. One was called just, Yes, I'm Working. That looked like an Excel spreadsheet, but it was like, um, like a little – uh, it was know, actually a, a blockbuster or whatever, yeah, yeah uh, breakout or you know one of those. Um, we had ones like stuck to a pole where a kid had his tongue stuck to the pole and we'd send you messages. Mm-hmm. We had mistletoe in an elevator where we put like people who seemed like strangers getting on at different floors and there's mistletoe. And they'd just start making out with yeah. like other people around, make them really uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we did twenty of them. We had honestly had no idea if if or any of them would take off or get you know um, get traction. Yeah. And very quickly, we realized that this one website where you upload a picture of your head, put it on a dancing elf's body, you could mm. actually call in at the time and record a message, and it would pitch up your voice to make it sound like an elf, too. Oh, my God. And then you could just email it to somebody. Yeah. And that was it. And at the time, uh, it was pretty groundbreaking because it was all in the browser. Yeah. And it was video of the dancing elf. And this right. was 2006. Yeah. Um, and and it was just one elf. You could only do one at the time. Yeah. And it took off, and it got about thirty six million visits in six weeks. Yeah. Uh, which was insane. Like we we were at like some our web host. We crashed their uncrashable servers multiple times. Wow. And at one point, it was like eight elves being created every second. Wow. Uh, and so it just it it blew up. Yeah. Uh, which is you know next level. I was used to. New York City garbage viral. I wasn't used to yeah. real world internet viral. Yeah. And how did you, because what strikes me about it and, and just thinking as a young creative, like getting briefs, what strikes me about it is I'm, I know at the time, did you know how to code all that stuff? Was it like. Oh, no. We found like, we found a bunch of people that did you just you just found studios. a bunch of people at Interactive Studios and you said, hey, we got these ideas. Do you want to make any of them? Yeah. And so we we, and we we went and found a bunch that who we admired, and um, EVB did four or five of them. Yeah, um, and EVB is the one that did Elf Yourself. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, we, we didn't pay them all that much for it. Right. Uh, it was just like very cheap. Yeah. Uh, and a great idea with the right people can yeah. just get it's worth money. Yeah. Because it's like they can use. And it everyone to... was really everyone was really excited about it, and yeah. they definitely brought it to the next level and made it even better than we thought it could be. Right. Uh, but we ended up working with to make those twenty websites eight interactive studios, and did it all in two months. And I was we had a producer, but I was also like Ari and I were basically creative directing it. And yeah. it, there was a, a few weeks where I was working twenty hour days, seven days a week. Where I just wasn't sleeping because I was going on shoots to the West Coast, to right. Salt Lake City, to L.A., and then sent, staying up all night on a red eye to give feedback, write feedback to all of the yeah. uh, studios. So as soon as they landed, I could send all the feedback to them. Right. It was a crazy, crazy-ass timeline. But it but it worked. <laughs> yeah. Because you wanted it to – because you had a vision of what it could be and you weren't sort of like, oh, the client needs it. Uh, like y- – you just knew it. Had well, to we happen. had a client that had fucking courage, and yeah. I think that's and, and willing to take a chance. And I think that's a lot of times you run across across clients that yeah. are not willing to make something great. Right? They're they're being safe. 
They're making sure they send that shit to focus groups, right. covering their ass yeah. and doing everything they can to say, hey, look, I did this. That's why you shouldn't fire me. Yeah. Um, and then you have other clients that are willing to take some chances and say, hey, like I'm a challenger brand. I'm not Staples. Yeah. We have to try something. Right. We have to try something different and going, yeah, let's, let's give it a shot. Like, yeah. We didn't know if it would work. We, you know, at the at the the minimum, we're like, all right, we made twenty fun websites, and some people will get some enjoyment out of them. Right. But we was didn't there a really backup know. plan? Was there a nope. uh, sort of? <laughs> okay. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> okay. But it, it started doing so well that we started. We ran some like ads for it. Right. Um, which I totally just remembered in this moment. Like yeah. we were just like um, Elf. We're like Elf Brad. Elf this. You know, like so, almost celebrity first names. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, it was yeah. like Elf yourself, and then ran it during. I forgot, like the Macy's Parade or something. Oh, on like TV, that. yeah. Because as it started getting traction, we're like, oh, we should tell more people about yeah, this. Yeah, just pour some gasoline on yeah. that fire. And then, like the second year, um, I had moved on from toy and went freelancing. But second year, they did it with two elves, and it got like 193 million visits yeah. in five weeks. Right. So even people were waiting for it. Yeah, they were waiting for it. So we had no idea the type of elf fetish we unlocked with it. Yeah. Uh, and and. I last year I checked and they have like a an elf counter at the bottom because yeah. they're still doing it and yeah. I think it's over like 1.5 billion elves created or something. Wow! So we're like basically like the Big Mac. Yeah, or God. I was thinking you're like oh, God. Okay, yeah, sure. Because like now there's a whole race of people living well, in if servers. If, which yeah, if you believe, I'm sure they're, yeah, if you believe Elon Musk, that like maybe that's our simulation. We are we are just really elves. elves. Yeah. Just elves. Just elves and dancing. Who have a pod, who happen to have a podcast in this <laughs> website. Yeah. Of the 30. <laughs> yeah. Um what uh did you ever have a client that was the way you said bad clients are and what did you do then? Do you just do you just try what what do you do in that case? Or do you are you the kind of person that's just like, you know what? I don't want to work on that. I'm going to go I have, I have had some bad clients when I was freelancing, but I kind of knew what I was there for. Right. And so I was just made sure I gave them what they wanted. And I, when I'm they actually asked, remembering a couple of bad yeah, clients that we actually had. Yeah, together, but, but. but we actually we worked <laughs> with some good clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. very fortunate. I spent the majority of my career working with great clients. Yeah. Like my clients at Virgin Mobile were unbelievable. Like yes. we, we wrote a bunch of crazy spots to found footage. And we made like 20 of them and just yeah. like present them in the room. And they went around and said, all right, everyone vote for your three favorite. And we put it on the wall. And the ones that got the most votes were the ones we aired. Like, wow. Like we had like like really amazing. That's, I had a really amazing client. So that's I, I cool. was super fortunate. That's, see, that's an experience you're giving that client and yeah. not just a uh, here's the ads. And we did those ads for maybe we did like, you know, I think like 15 ads for like 100 grand. So everybody whining about not having budgets. And I was like, well, that's yeah. actually some those are my favorite spots i've ever done were yeah virgin mobile found footage that we wrote funny uh what was, what was the found footage and how did you uh it was just like from like stock video sites right and it was like black and white old footage of like a woman throwing knives at a baby right uh, against a board and, like it, a knife and you just said you had a voiceover artist do like a radio spot over it yeah we, we was like a little bit drunken and we were like cutlery is for cooking not for Super wicked, crazy baby knife tossing tricks. Yeah. And it was like, feel free to disagree at TextFest. And it was right. back when, like, you had to pay per text. Right. And then it was like three hours every night of free texting. So we gave people stupid, weird things to talk about. Oh, that's amazing. And it was like found footage. We wrote, me and Pierre Lipton, Pierre Lipton and uh, maybe Adam Alshin, uh just started writing really fun, fucking funny yeah. lines for it. Yeah. And shit that made us laugh. And right. And we just had a bunch of crazy ones. And I love they that. Produced one. A bunch of them. Uh, like the like 
um, mystery flavored gum uh-huh. uh, thing. Like when you get an idea and you're just like, oh my God, we can do 117 of these. Yeah. And, and we, we did Delaware flavored gum. Yeah. Delaware flavored gum. What else do we have? Uh, uh, puppies. Tastes like the smell of puppies. I watched those for the first like, time like a month ago. Tastes like chopping wood. Yeah. It was all ridiculous. If you really but, love the smell of puppies. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that. It's, it was now it's in my head. And that's like for me, that's the shit that like makes me laugh and 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 it it did well because people just thought it was like ridiculous and dumb. And it yeah. and it got attention. And I think when you have clients that are willing to take risks and get attention, uh, that goes a long way. Yeah. When did you why are, why did you get out of advertising? Well, Tom. Yeah. Um <laughs> Because I remember Funny you coming story. up to me with this Twitter uh, thing oh. where you're like, hey, look, you can sign up for my Twitter bot and uh-huh. it'll tell you if I'm working or not working. And I was like, get the fuck away from me, Justin. <laughs> well, that came a few years. So I went freelance after Toy um, because I had – well, I, I didn't want to work as much anymore. Um, and I wanted to pursue my own creative ideas. Right. Um, and I think – you know, I was very fortunate to have a career of working with some really great clients, but I felt like a lot of my time in advertising was coming up with ideas, presenting ideas, uh, focus grouping ideas, and killing ideas. Yeah. And it wasn't enough making ideas. Right. And so I, for me, it was like, oh, after doing garbage and knowing I could come up with an idea on a Friday and put yeah. it out into the world on Monday yeah, and get a bunch of press for it, then I... I, I saw the power of like me being able to make stuff. I don't need to, I don't need to be doing it for a brand for somebody else. And I'd rather, you know, for me, I was like, I'd rather make millions of dollars with my ideas instead right. of instead of for an ad agency, a brand, and a holding company. Yeah. Um, and so, so uh, you had saved enough where you could like. No, say, like, I didn't. Gonna, I was an oh, idiot. You hadn't, I was oh. an idiot. Like mm. you're supposed to like if you're going to quit your job. I really like, thought like, wow, he's smart and I'm not. But oh, now no. I'm seeing like, no, you're not. No, you're it was just like at a point. It. I was at a point where I was like, I. I yeah, I got I got to go. You jumped with no net. No, barely any net. Yeah. Um which don't do if you're going to quit your job, have at least 3 <laughs> months of rent and bills yeah. in the bank or you're going to be cuz like even if you got a job immediately, you're yeah. not going to invoice for 2 weeks or a month. Right. And then it takes them 2 months to pay you and then you're out of money. And yeah. You're living in your car, but you live in New York, so yeah. you don't have a car. You inspired me to freelance. Oh, thanks, um, man. Because I saw what a great time you were having. And you were working for me on Stride, and all my best time was sitting with you, coming up with ideas, and then the rest of my time I was just managing, uh-huh. going to meetings, people, and things, and uh-huh. having worries about is this person going to leave? And I was like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. If and I figured it out that I could make as much money freelancing, and and it was it was a no brainer once. Well, and it's what, and we I didn't did get, we didn't get into the business to manage people, yeah. which is a great like a it's lot. It's really people, a different skill. Yeah, and a lot of people are are up for that challenge and, and willing to become as good at that job as they are being a creative. But yeah. if you just want to make stuff, like freelancing is a really nice way to do that. Although you don't make stuff quite as often, yeah, because a lot of times you're doing meeting fodder. Yeah, um, so there is a balance there. But, I find but the, also the differences. Thank, thank you. That's it's nice nice hearing that. No, yeah. it's true, um, and I think the difference is, and I I felt the same way when I when I when I came back to working, I I was inspired by this place, Damascus Goldstein, and I was like, I could live here and I could change here, and I think the thing that happened was I found that it was about serving others, serving yeah. younger people, mentoring and, people, and, and helping yeah. 
helping them to do the things that I knew mm -hmm. were possible. Um, so that's sort of what I'm getting out of it now. But uh, I agree. It's like there's nothing like making things. Yeah. And so, so you made Working Not Working as a cool. sort of it came out of just your life. Yeah, it was just a, a, kind of an accident. So I had been freelancing for maybe two, three years. Uh, and it was just a pain in the ass. Yeah. It was super inefficient. So I would go and basically anytime I wanted a gig, I would call and email every single person I knew in the industry. And I said, please hire me. Do you have a job? Do you have a job? Mm -hmm. Which is freelancing is stressful as shit. Yeah. And it's, it's like so much anxiety. You're like, oh my God, am yeah. I ever going to get paid again or hired again? Yeah. And so I'd call and email everybody. Would never, nobody would actually need me the minute I was available. Yeah. So uh, two weeks later, I'd finally get hired. And then without fail, I'd get five more offers for jobs that week. Yeah. And I'm like, this is dumb. And then seeing how my friends who were recruiters work, they basically would call and email every single person they knew, yeah. see if you're available for, available for freelance. And then if they couldn't find someone, they would run around the creative department asking all of the creatives if any of their friends are available. So then they're just getting like a warm body. Yeah. And then if they couldn't find anybody, they would go to a headhunter and pay anywhere from like a 15% to 100% markup. Yeah. So it was just a dumb, inefficient thing. So I was like, well, what if I just put like a motel vacancy sign on my portfolio site? Right. And so I made a, and I really love uh, neon sign animated GIFs. So yeah. I made one on my site that took up almost the entire site uh -huh. uh, that I called the Justin GNAC Freelance Status Apparatus. Uh -huh. And I had a blinking sign that said, Justin is working, Justin's available, or Justin's available soon. And then I had what I called an overutilization of technology. Yeah. So I had a Facebook group, a Twitter feed, a text alert, an iPhone app, and a mailing list to follow my availability. Yeah. And I ended up with like 40 recruiters following me from different agencies. Right. And every time I'd flip my status to available, I'd get two or three job offers within a day. Wow. And any jobs I couldn't take. And you didn't have to write the email. You no. didn't have to. No, I was just paying everybody. Feign uh, interest in no. their weekend. No, no, yeah. <laughs> you just had to flip uh, the switch. How was your weekend, Steve? Yeah. yeah. No, I just flipped the switch and I, I pinged everybody uh, and I get those offers. And then any jobs I couldn't take, I would just email to my art director friends that were freelance. And people were like, oh, that's really nice of you. I'm like, what? And they're like, that you would share your contacts. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like I'm not, I, I don't think because I went and got you a job, they're never going to call me again. Like right. there, there's enough work to go around. Yeah. Uh, and that goes back to like helping other people get what they want. But yeah. it got to the point where recruiters like, Justin, I see you're working by your little sign or any of your friends available. I yeah. was like, oh shit, I'm a rep now. Yes. Um, and Adam and I were talking about it one day and Adam at the time uh, was working full time Um at an agency, but he was also working on his own startup, trying to find freelance developers and just couldn't find any. Right. And we were just talking like if that vacancy sign could work for me, it probably could work for everybody. Wow. And we're like, shit, we got to do this. And so yeah. we crudely wireframed the site. We found some, uh, we pitched, went around a few design development studios and to see if we could find someone to do it. And we found some, some guys in Brooklyn to make it. And we launched it six months later. Wow. Yeah. And so it basically came out of solving my own problem. Yeah. And 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 then realizing, oh yeah, this this actually could work. Yeah. Um, and we started with like 300 of the best freelancers we knew in New York and 
a little bit in LA and San Francisco. Yeah. We get every, gave everybody a few invites and said, don't screw this up. We want to make sure the best of the best people are on here because yes. we didn't want we didn't want clients to come and have to search through everyone on the internet because then right. that has no value. So yeah. Um, and I had been freelancing at good shops, you know, around the country. Um, you know, the with you at JWT yeah. and Widens and Drogas and all yeah. that, and just wanted to make sure that they were finding the people that they were looking. Thank for. you for including me and yeah. JWT in yeah, that list. No problem. Um, and so it, and that's how, that's how we started it, and very quickly people started. You know, a couple people invited folks that maybe weren't up to the same level as everyone else. So we, we turned off the invites and then we had it all be through uh, being approved. Okay. Um, and so, so that's where it is now. Uh, no, it's, it's evolved a bunch since then. Yeah. What, what, what is it now? What, what if you, if somebody wants to get on it or wants to know yeah. more about it, where can they go? So they go to workingnetworking.com. Uh, but initially, so the curation was our key differentiator. You could go to Behance, you can go to a lot of other places mm -hmm. and find creatives. Um, but for us, it was like we want to make sure that the best of the best people are on here. Yeah. Um, and so when you know the Widens and Nikes and Facebooks and Apples of the world come on, they know they're going to find really great talent. Uh -huh. um, and, and so Massimo Goldstein as and, well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so when we started, yeah, we it was just Adam and I doing everything besides design development for the yeah. first three years, while also freelancing. Yeah. Um, and so we were going door to door, signing up agencies, throwing the parties. Um, <laughs> writing the copy on the site, yeah. sending the emails, making the GIFs, um, vet and vetting the talent too, yeah. which is hard because we have thousands of people in the queue. Right. And then we had two people like looking through and trying to approve people. Yeah. Um, and so it took us three years to get to 2,500 creators on the platform. Wow. Um, and then we finally got to the point where we could stop freelancing and pay ourselves and hire a couple of people. Wow. And and we, we hired a few people and then we raised some, a little bit of money uh, a seed round and which was really kind of changed everything for us. Like David Droga invested, right. um, Joe Gebbia from Airbnb. Um, and it was kind of like the dream team of people. So this whole time, you're saying a lot of things that sound really grown up to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, this whole time, you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. You were just learning as you went. Oh, yeah, no, we totally know what we were doing, Tom. No, we had no idea what we were doing. Right. It was like literally, there's two art directors starting uh, a company. <laughs> yeah. We said the only business skills we had is we were two guys who know Photoshop. Right. So it was just figuring it out as we went. And like, yeah, like only we only approved like 10% of the people who applied. Yeah. Which is not a great way to make friends in the industry. Uh, a lot of people were really pissed that they didn't get yeah. get on the site. And so the site has evolved. What do you say to that? Uh we had clients that were paying us money and had an expectation right? and we had to run a business, you yeah. know? And also yeah. it, it, it felt even more exclusive because it took people forever to get approved right? just because we didn't have the bandwidth to approve them. So yeah. it, it yeah. kind of added humans that were yeah, doing it. And yeah. it added, it kind of added to like the, the mystique of it a little right. bit. And you could only get on at a certain point if someone who was a member nominated you right? and then you got approved. So it was this yeah. long process. It was a pain in the ass. It sucked for everybody. It sucked yeah. for us. We had 8,000 people in the queue. We could just never get through. It sucked for me. People would ask me like, hey, can you get me on that yeah. working, not working? And, and you had to make that call. Like, are you good enough? And, and do I want to vouch for them? Yeah. And, and then I had to stressful. start saying things like, well, you're probably, I don't know if you're going to get approved. Like yeah. it was It was, it was so stressful. many uncomfortable conversations yes. for everybody. And so we relaunched the site in January of 2017. Yeah. Um, and it we finally brought design development in house, which was amazing. We built the whole thing from the ground up. And one of the things we realized is just, we wanted to, we had a thing that worked and we wanted it to work for a lot more people. Mm -hmm. um, and so all those people that were sitting in a database um, waiting to be reviewed, we let them make profiles. And so now they can make a profile 
um, and 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 say, hey, I, I want to be on here. Right. Um, and so we have this tier of people who who have profiles and they're discoverable in search. Right. And they can apply for jobs that are visible to the non vetted talent. Yeah. Um, and and they can be part of the community, come to the events, all that stuff. Yeah. And then we have a membership board now, three hundred and fifty of the best people in the industry, right? Across all disciplines, so yeah. not just art directors and copywriters and designers. Now we have illustrators and sound engineers, wow, and cinematographers and directors and animators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so across the board now, beyond just advertising, and they're vetting. They're our jury now, and they're vetting the talent. So people are on, they're in, they're members, they're part of the community, and then people who get approved by the membership board just get this vetted stamp yeah. uh, on their profile and they get a little bit of a, a boost in search. Right. So now clients can come on and only see vetted people if they want uh-huh. or they can go and search for everybody because you don't, like w- the joke back in the day was like working out working is a great place to find someone, for, pay a couple hundred bucks a month to find someone for $2,000 a day. Yeah. <laughs> and right. it's like, you can't really like build a business on that. Right. That's a hobby for right. us. Like it's, not, it's a very niche, extremely niche market. Right. But you, you instead of saying like, well, we'll just pretend that doesn't exist and just keep going as we are. You said, okay, that's not a big deal. We can just evolve to this. It's still, we still have to deliver on that curation promise. Yeah. Like we still have like our biggest clients are Apple, Google, Facebook, uh, Airbnb. Uh, And when we started, it was like 95% ad agencies and Mm -hmm. now it's less than half. Wow. And it's mostly brands and tech companies and startups. As yeah. you guys know, yeah. <laughs> as the entire ad industry the, knows, the industry the, is doing great. Yeah, Justin, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, it's a we've we've. Evolved. I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> but we've evolved, and I think that's uh, we 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 need to do that. Um, but we still need to deliver on the curation and the expectation that we're you, you can still come to work and not working for really amazing talent. Yeah, and we have the best creatives in the industry on. Yeah, you do. And, and we're getting, and that's the thing too, it's like we're getting a lot more on. And I think for us, you know, getting all the full-time people on as well. Like we used to, so you used to wait six months to a year to find out if you got on. Right. And then uh, you get on, we'd find you a full-time job and then we'd kick you off the site for having a full-time job. Wait, we just, not, I haven't been kicked off the site. No, have I? back then okay. it was just like, because it was just freelancers. Yeah. We're like, that's kind of a shitty user experience. Yeah. So we let people make a full-time status now. So can the, the first hundred people, can we just all get together and like party sometime? <laughs> We should do that. We should do like an OG. Yeah. Like anybody with triple digit numbers. Yeah. Like have an we should all that. get rings or something or, yeah. or, the, or matching tattoos. I'll do that. Yeah. Let's okay. do it. If we all do it, I'll do it. Okay. If we get 900 people to do it. Yeah. yeah. So 999 people to do matching tattoos, we'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been for sure a learning experience. But January is going to be our seven year anniversary. Wow. Uh, which is crazy. That is crazy. Uh, and, you know, I. And it's, now you have a podcast. And now, yeah, now we have a podcast. overshare. Everybody has a podcast, Tom. No, but I mean, you yeah. have a, you you have all these different like you're you're. It's what I love is you're you're not just saying okay we do this one thing and we're going to do it great. You're sort of saying like this is not just uh, transactional. Yeah. We are a club, and we're going to give you value. Yeah. Well, for that, being part that's of the always club. yeah that's always been really important to us is we always say that we built this site for our friends. Uh, mm-hmm. In this community, for our friends, our friends who are creatives, and our friends who hire creatives. Yeah. Um, and it was always, and I think it started, and it started 
makes sense to us when we the first year we did a freelancer holiday party because mm-hmm. freelancers never get invited to holiday parties <laughs> and it was like one of those things like you're just like you know in the window just watching people yeah get grinding on the dance floor that you weren't invited to yeah um and so we did the freelancer holiday party and we just realized the power of the community and getting people together in real life especially people who are independent a lot of times working from home yeah and how lonely that gets yeah um and as someone who works from home and for 14 hours a day a lot of times forget to put music on yeah and then my ex would walk in the door and I'd be like, oh my God, did you see this on the internet? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like a puppy. Yeah. And it's like, no. She's like, just go talk to somebody. Talk to anybody. <laughs> um, and so a couple a couple years ago, Adam and I were like finally trying to figure out our, our mission. Yeah. I was like, oh, we should have one of those, like a mission statement. Right. And what we came up with is uh, our mission is to eliminate the obstacles between creative people and opportunity. Oh, wow. And when you, when you realize that, it's like us taking an active role and eliminating the obstacles. But the obstacles could be finding work could be getting paid on time. Yeah. It could be self-doubt, creative insecurity, tr- reinventing your career. Yeah. All of these things. And so now feeling an obligation to the community and, and to support people yeah. and beyond just the job. So, yeah, we do happy hours. We do drinking, not drinking. Um, do overshare to talk about um, – I interview creatives I admire about the struggles of being a creative professional and have really honest conversations yeah. about that. And it's conversations I would have in private with my friends. I'm like, why aren't we talking about this stuff? Yeah. Um, because everyone's going through it. And I used to think everybody else had their shit figured out. <laughs> and then once you realize nobody really does, then right. you feel a lot better about your own shit. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that. I started a, um, a creative support group called Talking Not Talking. Okay. Because people would ask when we do the live events, people would ask really vulnerable questions during the Q&A. Uh, and I realized, oh, there's some stuff we need to talk about here. Yeah. And so I sent an email out just as an experiment. I'm like, I don't know if anybody's into this. Yeah. Uh, I got to go, I I gotta go see about this talking, not talking. Yeah, I got I got 25 seats in a room. If anybody wants to come, I might cry. You might cry. Who knows? Right. And we did it, and it was unbelievable. I, I, pu- I put it out, and it sold out in 10 minutes, and we ended up having a waiting list of like 70 people for the first one. Wow. So you're really helping people at this point. It's It, it feels really good, and yeah. it's something we need to do more of. So we're starting, uh, I think, next month. In November, we're going to start doing uh, Talking Not Talking in San Francisco. We're going to start doing one in Los Angeles, um, p- potentially in Chicago and London as well. Uh, but even like from doing a f- just two or three in New York, uh, a couple of people came to the second one in New York and they said, even after just coming to the first one. And a lot of people, everyone's showing up not knowing what this is, kind of going, yeah, I don't know. Like even you? Yeah, you even me. didn't quite like, know what it was going to no. be. No, because like, I'm just like, like I'm we're guessing. just going to talk and about, about our, our insecurities. Yeah, and our feelings. And our and feelings, and really. Yeah, and, and what we're struggling with. Or, you know, it's people of all disciplines, yeah. of all ages. Some people right out of school. Some people have been in, you know, had 30, 40-year careers. Yeah. And just talking about what they're, they're dealing with right now and then getting advice from each other. And so some of those people who came to the second one, they said after the first one, it changed the tenor of their conversation and the tone of their conversation with their friends, like even the next day. Wow. So instead of being like, yeah, yeah, I'm killing it. It's great. They're like, actually, I'm really struggling with – uh, I, I don't know if I'm happy in my job or hey, right. I, I miss working in a team or whatever it is yeah. uh, and people willing to share that stuff. And I love that you, you came up with this mission that is sort of open to a lot of different things, right? Because it's like the obstacles to getting great work done or great, the obstacles yeah. to what? Yeah. To between creative, creative people and opportunity. And but opportunity. But yeah. To, to the obstacles between us and opportunity are not always – of the industry, they're sometimes yeah. of our own making. Uh, a lot of times, by a lot of times, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, uh, and we hear all the stories here. But yeah, that's so great that you're doing that. Well, and um, thank you. And I also like I went to it's uh, exciting a conference last year in Copenhagen, and 
One of the speakers is really powerful. I knew you were going to fucking drop Copenhagen. Goddamn Copenhagen. At the end uh, of the... Great city. Uh, but he, one of the speakers said um, that the World Health Organization says the leading cause of death and uh, or ill health and disability in the world is depression. And I feel like the creative industry is probably more susceptible to that than many others. Because mm-hmm. we're kind of the freaks and geeks and weirdos that went against you know common knowledge and maybe yeah. what our teachers told us to do yeah what our parents told us to do get a real job that like pursuing mm-hmm. a career in the arts and creativity isn't gonna isn't gonna work yeah. um and we were like fuck that yeah. um and i i think those uh those people uh maybe need a little bit more support um and and, and maybe suffer from uh, uh you know depression but then also just like you know um needing some help from from each other and, yeah. and not being as alone uh, because trying to come up with something new every day and trying to yeah. trying to you know pull pull creativity out of your 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 soul yeah. <laughs> every day is is a pretty daunting task and uh is that where it is in the soul yeah. god damn or your ass pulling it out yeah. of the wrong yeah. place yeah exactly uh but i think it's it's uh it's necessary and 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 just creating a, a, an ecosystem um, and a community around that um, it's been beneficial, sure, for other people, but it's mainly beneficial for me. Yeah, like I do the podcast, and I'm like, yeah, it's basically my therapy. That's what I'm. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah. To, to be able to talk to people like you and uh, for myself. Yeah, and it, people seem to like it. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're. I'm being told we're uh, we're running out of time here. Uh-huh. But uh, how do people get on the the talking not talking? What are they, what, uh, so or, or uh, how yeah, can they find out? Just more join about it? join working not working. Uh, uh, you can sign up, make a profile, and we send right. emails out. If we do one in New York, we send it to everybody in New York and let okay. them know. Um, and then the podcast it's kind is kind of first come first serve. Yeah, on, and on then uh, I'm going to try to do it uh, once a month now and stick to that. Right. Um, and then the uh, yeah, and the podcast is overshare. Overshare is yeah. the podcast. The other podcast you should be listening yeah. to. Um, Maybe we can like share each other's podcasts for sure. Absolutely, and get our PR people uh, working together. We don't have PR. People. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Thank you, Justin Genak. Yeah, is there anything? Sound. How did How did I do? Uh, you did great. Okay. I, I I like when it's a conversation. Yeah. Instead of just like asking questions, answer, asking questions. Uh, I mean, answer. the only anchor I like to have is like that. Like, hey, where did you? How did you get into this crazy yeah. business? Yeah. But uh, yeah, everything but I, else. And is I think gold. it's a. I think it's a good business. I think for me. Yeah, I'm out of it now for the most part. Yeah. But everything I learned has influenced what everything I do now. Yeah. And I think advertising is really great as like a boot camp and a tra- training ground to get past good ideas, to get to great ideas. Right. To if learn you need how to- somebody to tell you like, hey, here's the assignment. Yeah. And it, you want it to be that. that that's well, great. and also and also pushing yourself past like the, the first round first of ideas. Thoughts. I think, you know, like as, as a student, you're always going, oh, that's a cool idea. And you kind of fall in love with the ideas and, and to get to a point where you don't fall in love with the ideas anymore. And you know that there's going to be more and it's a deeper well than you ever think. Yeah. And then also learning how to actually make shit. Yeah. Goes a long way. And then building a, a support system of people. Um, who you can lean on for your entire career, uh, I think is invaluable. Yeah. And so with those three things, once you have that, then I feel like you're kind of have the tools you need to do anything. What else. are the three things again? I didn't write them down. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'll yeah. just listen to the podcast You'll re-listen. Again. But yeah, it's getting past the good ideas, the great ideas, learn how to make stuff, uh, and then meeting some great people that are going to help you throughout your career. Yeah. And that you can help throughout your career. Those too. are great. I feel like those encompass everything. Sweet. Yeah. You may... It might be like that's all it. All we really need oh, to also, do. This might be, be the end of this podcast. You and, might have taken and us to the end. Don't be an asshole. 
I was going to say that, but I feel like yours was so much more positive. <laughs> and I, I was like, the fourth one is definitely like, don't be an asshole. Yeah, don't be an asshole. Yeah. But that kind of comes from the third one because if you're going to have that group of people who you are have your back, you can't be an asshole. Right. Because well, if you are, you won't have that. Especially if you want to freelance. I realize freelance is like career purgatory. Yeah. So if you were a good person in your previous life, people will decide they want to help you and want to keep working with you. And if you're a terrible person, they will never have to work with you again. Yeah. You have to change. Yeah. You have to be good at your job. You have to be good at your job and good to work with. Good to work with is almost more important than good at For your sure. job. Like, Because good at your job, you can people will give you the benefit of the doubt on yeah. like, okay, you know what? You've never done this kind of banner before or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, I'll give you. But being an asshole is just. It's an excuse. Right out. Yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> don't. Don't be that way. No matter what you're hearing in the news right now, being an asshole is not good. It will not end well for you. No, nope, at all. It all comes back around. What comes around goes around. I think somebody said that. One. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Did it. Woo! So that was my uh, conversation with Justin Genak. He is, uh, I didn't really have to say much because he is just such a, uh, a gabby guy, but also he's got all these great nuggets that are gold. So every time I, I talk to him, I, I feel like uh, I'm inspired to try to do better and wear cooler hats or wear any hats. But uh, yeah, workingnotworking.com, check it out. And uh, you too can uh, talk with Justin Genak on your podcast someday. Who knows? I want to thank Matt Stillo, our engineer. And Casey Balagurski, our producer. And this has been The A-List, brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe us on the iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhousenyc.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>